Hello and welcome to day 17 of the 21 day weight loss challenge. And today we're going to talk about your social network and its importance to not only your waistline, but other health behaviors. So I want to start with this with a little bit of a story and then bear with me as I extrapolate. There's a book called The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg. And in the book, he has a crisis upon him where he can't figure out how he's gained these eight pounds that his wife keeps nagging him about. So he starts on an adventure of trying to figure out why he keeps wanting to eat a cookie at around three o'clock every day. <clears throat> now, I may have some of the specifics on the time and stuff, but I knew it was somewhere in the afternoon. And in his series of experiments, he, for example, before he goes to get the cookie, he'll eat an apple and then determine if he's still hungry. So it wasn't because of hunger or these different things. But after many iterations of different types of uh, experiments, what he came to find out was that the reason he was eating the cookie every single day at 3 p.m. was because he was lacking or searching for that social connection with his peers. So where did they hang out? They hung out in the cafeteria. And what happens to be in the cafeteria? Well, ultra-processed foods like cookies that are easy to nibble. And when you're in the process of talking and doing things that your peer group are doing, he started gaining significant amount of weight. So what does that all have to do with describing is your weight contagious? Well, there's a really interesting thing called the contagious contagion theory, and especially particular social contagion theory. And there's a book called Social uh, Contagion by Dr. Nicholas Christakis, worth a read. It's kind of a thicker book. I tried to get him on the podcast before, but he was unable to um, allow himself to be on my, my uh, podcast. I'm not one of the big dogs, so... Anyway, the book is still a fascinating read because it was kind of my first insight to understanding how someone I don't even know could have an effect on my health. For example, let's say that um, your spouse has goes to work and his coworkers have every single day some type of pizza for lunch. They go out, they have a good time together, but they're eating unhealthy foods. Your husband gains weight. And then he comes home because he's still wanting some of that type of food. So maybe he brings home dinner. He goes, oh, I brought us dinner. And he drove through some fast food, Taco Bell, Burger King, it doesn't matter. So now you're consuming the food because your husband had been exposed to his coworkers eating this food. Now the opposite could occur. Let's say that your husband's coworkers are all on a health kick and they're eating healthy salads and they're encouraging each other to move. Your husband's going to feel better. He's going to come home and say, hey, I want to keep up this great thing I'm doing at work. Let's go exercise. Let's eat healthy. Let's go shopping and make some healthy meals at home. So that's how, you know, two, three degrees away from you, people you may not even know can affect your health. And so I wanted to speak to the importance of taking care of your social network and investing not only in yourself, because you're a piece of that social network, but investing in others in your social network. Because if you're modeling a certain type of behavior, Others are going to be watching and potentially doing exactly what you're doing because they see the benefit in your life. So don't ever think just because you choose to care for yourself that others aren't going to benefit. Of course, we understand you'll be more present and present, present, and have healthier um, attitudes and less anxiety, less stress, which will cultivate healthier relationships. But I wanted to speak to this piece in particular. <clears throat> Let me pull up my notes here 
on just kind of the research when you look at social contagion. Um, first of all, there's an impact on the community and health outcomes. So you have you know, social support, right? So strong community ties provide social support, which has been linked to better mental and physical outcomes. Social support can reduce the impact of stress and improves your coping capabilities, and it increases a sense of belonging. But at the end of the day, that's why we join certain tribes, certain social groups. Like remember back in high school, you were we all were searching for our people, and that doesn't go away as we get older. <clears throat> Also health behaviors. So communities influence health behaviors, right? For example, if a community values physical activity, they have parks, they invest in sidewalks, they make their community more walkable. And some members are more likely to engage in exercise. Similarly, communities that have a culture of smoking or unhealthy eating can negatively influence their members' behaviors. Also, it's really important to understand there's access to resources, right? So communities can affect health outcomes, by providing or failing to provide access to things such as healthcare, healthy food, rec facilities, and education. And there's no perfect way to do this, but I think the blue zones have a really interesting blueprint of what they're trying to do in different types of cities across the country. So definitely check it out if you haven't watched the Blue, Zone, blue Zones documentary series um, with Dan Butner. I'd highly encourage it. It's on Netflix. Really, really fascinating. Then let's just talk a little bit more specific to contagion theory in health in and of itself. So first of all, behavioral contagion, right? So research suggests that behaviors related to health can spread through your social networks. This includes things like positive behaviors, right? Quitting smoking, exercising. Remember your coworkers or your husband's coworkers are walking. Maybe your husband starts walking too, which encourages you to start walking, as well as negative ones like overeating or substance abuse about emotional contagion, right? So emotional states which significantly impact your health can also be contagious within communities. For instance, studies have shown that stress, happiness, and depression can spread through social, social ties. I'm not sure why that word is really stumbling across my tongue today. What about modeling and norms? Um, this is really interesting. So contagion often occurs because individuals model the behaviors and attitudes based on what they observe in their community. Okay, this can establish norms that further influence health behaviors. So if we establish the norm that it's okay or perceived okay to eat large amounts of ultra processed foods, no one's going to think differently when you see that's what everybody's doing. What's outside of the norm is eating healthy and choosing to eat, let's say, a whole food plant-based diet, which is very healthy and pushes you towards health, um, healthier outcomes, healthier way of living. But people really struggle and it causes stress because everyone around them is not consuming healthy foods. It's a really weird thing we've placed ourselves in this present world. Um, Moving on, so community interventions and health comes, right? So you can have health promotion programs. So community-based health promotion programs can leverage social networks to improve health outcomes. For example, programs that encourage community members to exercise together, create a culture of fitness. So maybe you see someone taking initiative like in a church, for example, that's a very strong community ties and they're regularly meeting. That's a wonderful place to start somewhere like a health promotion activity. Um, there's also public health campaigns. Public health campaigns can often target communities and spread 
you know, create, they think widespread change. I see education can do some of it, but you still need to have some type of advocate within the community to have that conversation with people and be that personal touch, that human touch, if we want to see something change. And that's why I feel like, for example, primary care doctors are really uniquely placed in different communities because one, we live in a place, we have a position of understanding people's health. We understand many times their social network or their connections. We also, you know, are in a place of trust. So people will tell us things that maybe they wouldn't tell anybody else. <clears throat> and we have a large connection with multiple diverse uh, communities throughout. So you may see 10 different people in a day and they all go out into 10 different places and have absolutely no connection to one another. So imagine if you have the particular panel, typically anywhere between 1,200 to 2,000 people on a doctor's, what we call patient panel or the, their patients. Imagine throughout a year, all those different people that someone can affect. So if your physician is very health promoting and encouraging you to adopt healthy behaviors, that's going to be one push into the, the ripple into your network to continue that. Now, what if also the doctor down the street tells your next door neighbor the same thing. And now you come together like, hey, my doctor told me to start walking program. Me too. Let's work on that together. Now you have this multiple network effect. <clears throat> so you have these little nodes of influence. And before you know it, those nodes connect and they get bigger and bigger. I hope you can see that change. If you actually Google, there's a really cool video on YouTube, and if it's social contagion, contagion, and just type in uh, Dr. Nicholas uh, Christakis, that's C-H-R-I-S-T-A-K-I-S, -I, I think, there's a video, it's like two or three minutes, and it talks about the data that they use um, in the book and how the over decades that people's weights and then their neighbors' weights change, and we're talking about how obesity can be contagious. Really fascinating. I think there's some other things here as well. So there's definitely some challenges um, with this, right? So there's heterogeneity within communities, meaning communities are very diverse and interventions need to account for different subgroups and individual differences, right? So culturally speaking, language, education, resources, all that needs to be taken into effect. But still, we still should be trying to model at least for ourselves and then influence the people in our own circle. Uh, digital communities, right? So, you know, when I was a kid, the internet didn't exist. And I recall when, mm, was, it, was it midnight? Yeah, midnight. You had three channels to choose from. They all went off. They played the um, American anthem and they showed the little flag and it went, you know, basically you get the white snow. But now we have this incredible 24-7 reach anyone in the world um, for the majority ability to connect with anyone. So we, there is really no excuse for us not to reach into a community and find our people or our tribe. And, you know, if we want to go a little bit higher, I think there's role for policy and environment. So structural factors, community health is really influenced by a few different things like socioeconomic status, education, environmental conditions, and policies that address these determinants are really crucial if we want to see things improve in our communities. But again, it doesn't have to start from the top. It can start from the bottom with literally what you choose to do in your day-to-day -day life. So what would be our challenge today? Let me pull that up here. 
And I think really it's important. Let's just start with connecting with like-minded people in your community. So maybe research some health focus group. Maybe there's meetup groups. Maybe there's someone at your YMCA, your local rec center. And, you know, think about how you can join. Maybe it's yoga class. Maybe it's um, a hiking group. It doesn't matter. Whatever thing you might enjoy, dancing. And then really just become an active participant. You know, go to a session or two, have a discussion, try to connect with people who are like-minded. And then for the writing aspect, I'd really love to encourage you to, you know, really reflect on one, the community interaction. How did that work for you? Did you, can you describe the community you were engaged in? Did you feel energized by that? How did you feel depleted or struggling? Um, maybe you want to know what was the most beneficial part of that. Did you find that sense of belonging? Um, if not, is there a way to encourage it? Maybe there was a spark of hope. Maybe there was one person in that group. That's all you need to start. It's just two people having a conversation. And then ongoing participation. Was this group good for you? Were you still kind of on the fence? Well, maybe you give it another chance or maybe you search for someone and refine your research on finding a group that really works for you. So remember, at the end of the day, we were talking about weight loss. That's how we started this conversation almost three weeks ago now. But I really wanted you to hone in on understanding there's so many aspects that create the opportunity and the thoughts and the behaviors and everything that lead to weight gain and, you know, health outcomes that are associated with weight gain. And there's no judgment. We're not saying, you know, individuals are all alone and what's the result of what's on the scale and there's much more to it, but we all need to understand the circumstances. We have control on how we respond. We may not have control of every circumstance that happens to us, but we absolutely have control of how we respond and what we choose to do with that. And so really where you are in life is a summation of all the choices that you've made even if there were events that happened outside of your control, you were in control of how you responded. Now, it doesn't mean that people can't be thrown into grief or thrown into crisis because things are just overwhelming. But as time goes on and we have time to process, we can choose to reach out for help. We can choose to isolate, um, choose to allow people to be carers of us. We don't always have to provide the care. So, I just wanted to throw that out there as that thought. It was something that um, hit me today as I was just doing my morning walk, which has become almost an addiction because that's where time where I can sit and reflect. And then afterwards, I've noticed that I'm feeling not um, depressed or anything, but I feel calm and just very meditative, almost like thoughtful. Anyway. I hope you find that helpful and I will be back tomorrow on day 18 of this 21 day weight loss challenge.